yeah. to it. And then you turn that off, and then you get to close the windows because yeah. like the neighborhood's super loud where I was before. And then we would just yeah. be sweating and dying. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so welcome to the River Rat Podcast. <laughs> You're doing your podcast, and all of a sudden, someone just falls over. Yeah. Oh my god, he passed out. He exhaust. He exhaustion. Let's get the next it's guest like, in here real yeah. quick. But yeah, welcome to the River Rat Podcast. I'm your host Taylor Wilkie, and today my guest is Nate Amaral. Yes. And my he is a. Uh, what Nate Amaral, I, I, I have written down here, has uh, he went from uh, selling tomatoes and eggs mm. to being an international real estate investor slash consultant. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I read consult, when I heard when I saw real estate investor, I'm like, okay, yeah. I get what that is. But like consultant, consultant, yeah. What were you like, like an assassin, an assassin <laughs> on the side? Because that's what that means to me. It sounds it like, cool. oh yeah, it you know, because cool you, you already live in like Uganda, yeah, which is like one of those places where like CIA people live. <laughs> I don't know about that's that. That's where they station CIA people. Is it really? It's well, yeah, you know. It's either that or Somalia. I know. When, whenever you two. go, whenever you like see like a CIA person in the field, it's never anywhere nice. Yeah, no, no. no. So you're going into like, the field. Where am I going? Yeah, London? Yeah. No. Yeah, no. The good thing about Uganda is that sub-Sahara Africa, so it's not like all the heat. It's much a lot more cooler. But um, okay. the consultant part, man, uh, nothing to do with the CIA, unfortunately. Um, Would you tell us if, if you were? Yeah, no, maybe. Go, it depends. Same. Like special, special stuff. Special. Uh, like yeah, just relieve. Just tell you, release certain things. Um, but yeah, man, I've been. I started investing. Um, well, should we go way back, like to Tomato Land? Is that sure, where? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, again, that, that's the first thing. Is tell us about your journey. Like, like, yeah. why did you start with tomatoes and eggs? Like, why think, was that the first thing? Well, I think you know. I think the most important thing is starting out with what you have. What do you have available to you? So I was 14, man, and my aunt was actually te- – it was like a school thing. Mm-hmm. It was like my, my aunt was teaching me like how to plant a garden. That, okay. That's what it was. And she taught me how to like grow tomatoes. And and so I thought that was the most coolest thing on earth. I was like, wow, you can actually grow it. And then, It is the coolest thing. Yeah, and then like people put it in the market. And I was like, well, yeah. the first thing I did actually, I took my tomatoes to a local convenience store. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, you want to buy these? And they're like, No. We have a buyer already. Like, well, how, how do those guys get in your store? And I didn't yeah. understand the concept. So my dad taught me. He's like, no, no, you can't do that. So I decided to go door to door. And I would literally just walk down the road. And mm-hmm. I'd like a nice neighborhood like here. And yeah. I'd walk down there and I'd knock on the doors. And I'd be like, hey, you want to buy some tomatoes? And, uh, and, and people just said, Okay, yeah, and I think they just took pity on me, you know. Like you're 14. That's the 14. That's old enough to that for that to be like creepy and sketchy. (laughs) I mean, kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you were almost a man. I was. (laughs) At least I had no facial hair. I know. I mean, they were just like, oh, okay. And most people at first said no, but then I'd come back every week. I'd do it every week. Okay. And it got more perpetual because I noticed that once someone bought from me, and I remember my first sale was actually a a convent, a a group of nuns. Oh, it was a nun house. Where was that? It was in Fall River, Massachusetts. Oh, really? Fall and River, they were like three doors down from me. Nice. Yeah. And they were the first sale. And they were like, oh, yeah. And they didn't care the price, really. I mean, I, I was selling for like 25 cents each. Well, they, that, that's pre like, that's like, that's like pre like sex scandal money. <laughs> they, they, they had money then. It like, was. Yeah. The yeah it was. The church has no money. Yeah. Yeah. Because they just gave it all away yeah. because they had to like touch <laughs> the little boys. Because they were spying all these tomatoes. Um, yeah. It was before all the, that whole travesty came out and all that stuff but um that's literally who made how i made my first sale and then what i realized was um by the way i'm gonna be crying periodically because you're this you're always so funny every time i'm around okay it's just so 
so funny. Um, but they, I made my first sale from them, and then I continued to make sales. And then what I un, uh, what I understood was like, okay, if they're going to buy tomatoes, how can I make more money? Because mm-hmm. they were only buying so many tomatoes. Okay. So I was like, how can I up? How can I make more money on the sale on each time I visit the house? Mm-hmm. So I started adding eggs. Now the way I got eggs, my dad owns like a small bakery. Okay. So he would I, what I would do is I'd take like he'd bring home like these four trays of eggs, and mm-hmm. I take a whole tray, just take it, you know, yeah. free inventory, and yeah. I take that to the street, you know. And uh, so I started selling tomatoes mm. and eggs. And okay. uh, that's, that's yeah, that's how I, I made more money from that. And then I started selling newspapers uh, as, as a paper well. boy. As a paper boy, but you know those boxes they used to have? Yeah. Okay, so what I do at the time, it used to be 25 cents. Yeah. So I didn't know this, but I would put in 25 cents and I'd take Oh, you take the stack? <laughs> I'd take all the inventory. Nice. Uh, and then I'd put up, like, literally down the road, I made this big white poster board yeah. and I put... Um, I put newspapers. What did I put? I think 25 cents. That's what I did. You yeah, did I put 25 cents. Nice. Yeah. But I had a stack of them. And then one day, the, the, the Herald News actually, uh, one of like the drivers drive by. drives by and says, hey, man. Where are you getting um, these papers where from? Where are you getting these papers from? And I said, from the box. <laughs> but but it literally two weeks went by until they realized it. Nice. So, I, you know, I was doing anything I could to make So you're like money. that guy on the bottom of President Avenue. Yeah. Yelling for papers. Yeah, Rich. Richie. Yeah. Richie, is he, yeah, I, I, I've, I've never known his name. His name is Richie. Yeah. And that was when I was... So when I turned 15, yeah. uh, I became a paper boy. Um, and that was kind of like my first uh, first independent contractor job. Yeah. I became a paper boy. And Richie actually became my good friend, you know, because oh, really? I, I do that whole neighborhood. Okay. I had uh, 115 uh, newspapers at the time on a bicycle, which was a beast on Sunday. That was just like oh, on That's Sunday. That's a lot. It's oh, heavy. Dude, I'd, I'd carry like these things in a wheelbarrow and all this stuff. Um, and so I met Richie every day after I was done. I'd, I'd cool. hang out with Richie on the corner and just talk okay. about life. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So he, yeah, I did that for like whatever, every day. And then I got a car, and then yeah. then I went from 150 newspapers to like 500. Yeah. I had the most newspapers that Howell News would ever give to someone. Um, and the reason why I could do that so quickly, and this is kind of like not relevant, but uh, I'll share it anyway, is I was the fastest. I because I had my own little system, and that's okay. very important in business. Yeah, and I have a system. Yeah. So the way I do it is like, okay, people don't do this, but don't do this at home. I, I would drive with my knee. Okay. So I would grab the na- newspaper, I'd fold yeah. it, and I'd stick it in a bag, and I'd be driving with my knee, and I'd be throwing newspapers out the window while I'm driving with my knee, my leg, you know? Okay. And um, that's how I that's how I delivered newspapers so fast, because the other carriers were like, they were driving cars too, they're like, dude, how do you do your newspapers so fast? And I'm like, I have a system. And I think that's like a, a secret to success in business is having a system. Okay. You have to have a system, otherwise... Yeah. You'll just be doing everything yourself yeah. or you'll be doing everything a lot longer. And I learned that at a young age from working at my dad's bakery on an assembly line mm. because we had to like follow a system and we had to like – we always had to reduce the amount of steps we took. Yeah. Like you, you, ever, you ever seen those assembly lines where yeah. you have to stay in the same place? Yeah. And you can only have so many movements before the next thing comes up. Yeah, it's the uh, what is it? It's like it's like, it's like uh, Henry Ford. It's like the, yeah, uh, the the guy who places the nut doesn't turn the nut. Right. The next guy turns the nut, and the guy that like put, places the nail doesn't hammer the nail. Exactly. The next person who like and that's how it goes. It's right. Like the next guy does the next thing. So the next thing. So you're just doing one thing. Exactly. And you only have so many steps. <clears throat> to, you only have so many movements yeah. while you have that piece in front of you. Yeah. So I learned at a very young age, like I only have so much time with this one thing. Mm. Uh, whether it's with a newspaper or anything, that I have to make the most of my time mm. with that one thing. So everything was early in my age. It was all about systems and making money. So that's where the you know selling tomatoes and and all that really comes from. That's where my drive was. That led into 
at the same time selling things, like I would find whatever I could to sell. Hmm. So today we have like offer up and let go those apps, right? Yeah. But literally every Saturday after my newspapers, I would whip out a, like two eight-foot tables on my front lawn mm. every Saturday. And I just put stuff out for sale. And people would just come by and pick people it up. People just come by. They knew. they could. I didn't have to advertise because these people knew I'd be there every Saturday. That's really cool. It's like the uh, – what is that? Lady on Route 6 in yeah. Somerset. In like Somerset. Every fucking day. Every day. You drive by and there. she's like, shit outside. Like, yeah. I, drove, I drive by all the time. I'm like, yeah. how does this lady have so much fucking shit <laughs> in that house? That's what it is. That's exact, and people knew they could rely on me because yeah. they would pass by. I'd have customers. Pretty much, the regulars would come every other week, and I have mm. some new ones show up. But I'd be there, just hanging out on the corner, man. That's that's how I knew how to make money. Mm. That was what I knew at the time. So, and I did that for like four hours, you know, after the paper route, and mm. then I'd go on to something else. And yeah, man, that's whatever I could at a young age. I just used again. I, I used what I had available to me. Okay, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. It, it, it's uh. It's cool to hear like the process and like the backstory. Like when I see you, I think mm. of like this guy who my friend knows, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's like who's just like a zillionaire. Mm. Like I don't know how much you're worth. I oh, assume God. you're worth a billion dollars. No, no, no. Come on. And uh, no, and, like, it's an honor to have you in my home right now. <laughs> I appreciate being here. Actually, it's such a beautiful place. I love the neighborhood. When I was driving up this road. Like I love how all the trees are yeah. like it makes it like Yeah, it's like it's like they're it's like covered. Yeah, it's a like it covered. Yeah. yeah. Well there's some places I think of in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um okay. it's called um the road is called Pine Street, I think mm. it is. Anyway, it's like the richest neighborhood. It's got all these brick homes. Yeah. It's got these nice trees. So that's what this place actually reminded me of. I was yeah. like, wow, I feel like I'm in like Charlotte. Like, yeah, it's uh here. it's like one of those historic neighborhoods. Like historic the, the, neighborhoods. Like the yeah. city is like redoing all these houses one by one. Right. Like, they're giving everyone, like, grants and, like, a little money to, like, have them go and, like, paint the outside. Right, right. So, like, right now, this house is in the process of being restored back to its original color. Wow. That it was when it was built. Dang. Yeah. Wow, that's unique. Yeah. And, my like, my landlord, he bought it with a buddy of his. And, like, it's one of those investment stories. Like, him yeah. and a buddy bought, like, he, he lived in this apartment. Okay. His friend lived downstairs and they rented out the attic. Oh, okay. And eventually, his friend moved away. He bought the he bought the rest of the house out from his friend, nice. and now he still owns it. He lives on the other side of the park. Oh, he, nice. Like if you go like one block that way, there's yeah. a park. Okay. I don't know if you can see. There's like a yellow, what well, big yellow building? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Building. I see it right here. Oh, it's like a castle. Yeah, the it's the Cranston Street Armory. Oh wow! And uh, <clears throat> that's really cool. And uh, I hope no one can like ju- like like triangulate my position from like the, from the landmarks. I'm saying <laughs> we can see out my window. I'm <laughs> sure. Um, sure. Our friend is uh, a little guy standing up there. Yeah. Like, hey. No, we we actually moved here because. Uh, because the, our old neighborhood, we, we were living in Washington Park at the time, mm. and now we're living on the West End, yeah. and it was it was just too stabby. It was like a little getting a little too stabby. <laughs> a little stabby. It was getting a little too stabby. Like you know, yeah. like like I like I, like someone got stabbed like four months and well yeah. five months ago now. Someone I was at an open mic doing my thing, yeah. and uh, like my uh, my fiance yeah. calls me and she says, "Hun, um, frantically on the phone," and and I didn't even get the phone call. I got a, I got a voicemail yeah. with like thirteen missed calls oh, within dang. like the span of like two minutes. So I'm like. Okay, either she found yeah. the drugs, yeah, <laughs> or something bad happened. Yeah, and I called. She's like, "Oh my god, someone got stabbed! You need to go home right now, right oh, in front of the house. I'm dang. so scared. I have all the doors locked." Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. And so like, I'm, and then I got home. Like, you know, isolated incident. She's like freaking out. I'm like, right, it's an right. isolated incident. Yeah. We don't need to worry. Some and then you know, it just went downhill from there. Still, you know, yeah. one morning I woke up at like three a.m. and I, I wear glasses. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know when you wear glasses, you don't you don't put your glasses on in the middle of the night to no. go to the bathroom. You no, just walk right. You just walk around. around. Yeah, whatever. Like I know where everything is. Yeah, I'm not yeah. bumping anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. And like I open the door, I'm like, wow, it's like really extra foggy in here today. And I'm looking around, and then I look outside, I see like 
I see like lights in the in the front of the house, and I'm like, "What the hell?" And like, "All oh, the fire truck lights. Oh, this is my house is filled with smoke. Oh, dang. now I need to figure out like, what? is my house on, on fire? fire? Where are God. my glasses? Oh. I need to wake up my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And like and like I'm oh, like dude. like going through the house oh, like no. oh it turns out the neighbor the neighborhoods the neighbors had set their house on fire oh my their front God. porch on fire Dang. and uh, so yeah that was scary and then you yeah. know some lady got caught up in her apartment and oh, like God. she came downstairs and time to move you know every two weeks like the cops were like surrounding my house Dang. looking for somebody I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was just bad. time to go bad news time, time to, go. to go anyway yeah so uh, but back to you because we're not talking about my problems well, <laughs> we're talking about your problems <laughs> not your you problems my, your success let me, let me tell you about my problems uh, um, well, no, guess, well listen no my net worth's not in billions but I hope my consulting is worth billions seriously yeah. um, I think that's what matters most At, over the years uh, I, I think people don't care about how much I'm worth or what mm. I do. I could tell someone, oh, I just bought this property. I just made yeah. this money. At the end of the day, in people's minds, they're not caring about how no. much I made. They care about, well, how can that benefit me, mm. right? And that how can they gain from that or how can they improve their own life? And that's where my consulting comes in, bud. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've been – the way I look at it is I've been blessed to um, not be super smart, mm. to be so analysis paralysis in the way. Um, I'm more of like, let me just go out there and figure it out as I go along because I know that there's like really smart people in the world that have these degrees and I I don't have those degrees. Um, But I find that over the years with my consulting, those people tend to be clients and they they analyze something way too much. Mm. And I'm more of like, no, come on, let's just do this. Yeah. And that's more of how I think I have gotten, you know, like I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, my wife's uh my wife's um like maid of honors husband let's put it that way mm-hmm. uh said that guy can make money anywhere at any time and i think that's very true to myself because mm-hmm. i literally you know no matter what situation i'm in i don't care if it's property or something else i can just i i can know how to make money mm-hmm. i figure out find the need and get get fill yeah. the need find the need fill the need and you make your money in between. So mm. no matter what it is out there, whether it's real estate or something else, I think people, anyone can do it if they think about needs and fulfilling the needs of the people. So, okay. and, and I, maybe I can share this a little bit later, but there's a lot of money to be made in complaints. And I, we'll dive complaining? into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. complaining. Yeah, complaining. Okay. Yeah, we can dive into that well, a bit later. I'll write, I'll write all this down. Yeah. Maybe, I won't, <laughs> maybe I won't even post this body. I'm going to keep all these secrets for myself. Yeah. Um, so you made the move to real estate, and uh, I, I found out recently yeah. when we hung out that apparently, like my mom was the one who taught you. You took my mom's real estate class, Lori Wilkie's real estate class. Yeah, I well, yeah, I didn't pass it, but you didn't um, pass it. I didn't wow, pass it. no, actually, no wonder she doesn't remember you. Yeah, she. I mean, if she remembers me, but like, <laughs> yeah, um, I. There was a time in my life where I was trying to get into real estate and I studied, like I read a bunch of books and I took a bunch of seminars. I even thought getting my real estate license was going to be like the way. Mm -hmm. And I took a real estate, uh, like to become a real estate agent and I could never pass the test. I took it twice, once with your mom and then once with another group. I honestly can't even remember. It was in Taunton, I think. No, it was in Providence Mm -hmm. actually. It was in Providence. Yeah. So I took the class. I couldn't pass the test two times. I'm not good at tests. I'm yeah. not good. I, I, I'm just not good at it. So uh, I decided just to hire a coach. I hired a real estate investing coach. 
And it was someone that could just break it down for me like, this is what you do. This is how you do it. Mm. And that's really what changed my life. That's really what, when I say changed my life, it changed my mind. Yeah. Where I could say I need to stop analyzing and just start doing. Mm. And the biggest thing that was holding me back was I was afraid to make an offer on a piece of real estate. That mm. was the biggest fear. Like, what happens if I make the offer? What happens if they say yes? What do I do then? Yeah. No, that was the biggest thing that was holding me back. So once my coach uh, really kind of pushed me to make the offers, mm. that and, and I... um. And I closed on two properties. That was my first two deals. I was 20 years old. Um, I made like 18 grand on those first two deals. Wow. And that completely changed my life. That's when I knew, and that's when I knew it became real. Because mm-hmm. prior to that, I was studying real estate for two years. Yeah. And in between those two years, I took those real estate classes yeah. to become an agent. I was going, you know, I was spending a lot of time in Barnes and Nobles and reading books. And I was going to all these seminars and conferences and listening to all these. Well, at the time, there were teleconferences, not webinars. Mm-hmm. Like today, yeah. it was online training. But um, I was just studying and studying and never doing anything. So when I hired a coach, uh, that's when you know my life just changed around completely. Mm. Yeah, closing those two deals. Yeah. That's re- that's really cool, and that's mm. and that's something that uh, <clears throat> a little later I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about that. Sure. Like like uh, like making that jump. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but first I want to ask you um, like recently on Facebook you posted uh-huh. uh, that a jealous salesman once cut your tie in half. Yeah. And like that, yeah. like like when I read that, yeah, I was all like, I want to hear that story. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the other day when you messaged me like, hey, I'm in town, I want to be on your podcast. I'm all like, oh, fucking Ty, yeah. story. that's happening. <laughs> that's really happening. Um, so yeah. what happened? Like, was it straight? First of all, was it straight up the middle, or was it like across? It was across. Okay, yeah, it was across. Uh, I'll tell you what, bud. Over the years, because I'm not smart in school and yeah. I don't have good academics, um, I realized uh, that sales and marketing was my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, to me, it's like instant money, yeah. like the whole sales of, uh, tomatoes and eggs mm-hmm. and all that. So I learned to master that. That was like the thing I knew I could master mm-hmm. because a lot of my other friends, they were a lot smarter graduating and mm-hmm. I was in college, but yeah. it was no four year degree. So I, I needed to find something that I could do really well. So I got really good in sales, mm-hmm. sales and marketing, mostly sales in the beginning. And I even hired a sales coach to teach me how to better do that. And I started selling over the phone. And that was really life-changing for me uh, because when I started selling over the phone, I went from the face-to-face, which I was so familiar with in you know in all the sales that I did, like yard sailing and um, I even sold like clothes. I did all of this stuff face-to-face, door-to-door sales. Um, and I went from selling over the phone and I started selling invisible things over the phone, like, like education. I started yeah. selling education over the phone, which I think is the hardest thing to sell. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, you're going to buy this and we're shipping it to you. Yeah. It was like, we're going to buy this and you're going to learn something. It was like, whoa, how do I sell that? Yeah. So <clears throat> when I was working for my my good friend today, he's he, at the time he was my boss. His name is David Lindahl out of Rockland, Massachusetts. The guy owns over 8,000 apartment units nationwide, wrote a book with President Trump now. He wasn't president at the time wrote a book with President Trump. I mean, the guy just knows his real estate stuff. Mm. And I was working for him. And I worked for him for three years. And I learned a lot there. But it was during that time when I was in his office, mm. I I really set out to master phone sales. Mm. And uh, so we were in cubicles. And there was this guy on the side of me who, he was like older than me. He was 20 mm. years older than me. Yeah. And I was the youngest guy in the group. And I was just so motivated. And I was constantly trying new things on the phone and um, learning how to master this consultative sale. Mm. And so, you know, I started learning how to close, you know, bigger packages anywhere. I'd close packages up to $100,000 over the phone. Yeah, insane. And let me just chat Mm -hmm. about that for a second because at first I was selling a $1,000 product. And Mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit. 
how am I going to get a thousand dollars out of someone? To me, that was like, I never did it. Mm. You know, come on. I was selling things like $500 or $200, whatever. Yeah. But when it came to doing that, I was like, how am I going to get a hundred thousand or 50,000 or whatever it was? But you know, I started small, started out with 5,000, 10,000 and went up from there. And, uh, so when I started becoming the number one sales guy in the office, I finally hit that goal. Yeah. Uh, I, I became the number one sales guy and I won, uh, I think I got a check for like three grand as a bonus. It was when I did that, got that check as a bonus. He comes, this guy comes over, I won't say his name, but he right. comes over to me and he's like, you know, there's, and he was from Boston. So he had this like accent, that Boston yeah. accent, right? He's like, you know, he had yeah, that okay. Hey, you know, kid. <laughs> yeah. God, you do it. You do I can't. It. I can't even do it again. I can't even do it again. <laughs> but he had. Like, that, How you doing, kid? Yeah. How are you? Yeah. How are you? And it was like he's like, you know, uh, you don't have to walk around the office with such an attitude. And I'm like, dude, I'm just happy. Like I've never done this before. And uh, he literally had the scissors on the side of his on the side of his. Thing. Like he was ready. He was ready. Like <laughs> he decided. Intent. He decided. He decided. Like like ten minutes ago, he was gonna cut your tie in half. Exactly. And he was gonna come up to you, and then, and then like, what do you think he worked out? What he was gonna say? I have no. idea. He probably like worked. He put this all in his head. I was the only guy in the office that wore a suit every day. I was the only guy. Yeah, with suit and tie. That freaks people out. Yeah, it does. Did he feel intimidated? He felt intimidated. Yeah, people. My, like, yeah. My manager didn't feel intimidated. He was like, yeah. "Cool, man. Whatever you want." Yeah. Uh, and we weren't required to wear. Even the owner, my buddy, yeah. the owner, he didn't wear a suit, but yeah. I wore a suit. It's just up here, man. Yeah. Um, and so he came over to me as soon as I met. He's like, you know, you don't have to have an attitude. You have this attitude. You come in with suits every day. He's like, you don't even need to wear a tie. Snip. And you know, and right back to that in front of a mirror in the bathroom <laughs> yeah. for like an hour before he did it to you. I rehearsed it. Yeah, <laughs> you probably did. I bet you. He's like, I'm gonna cut his tie. Uh, and and the the funny thing is, I, at first I was shocked, and then I said, I said, man, you don't have to be jealous of me, man. Like I can show you what I did. Yeah. And he's like, I don't need you to show me. I know how to sell. And I'm like, fine. Well, I left my tie that way the entire day. Nice. I wanted the owner to see it. I just left. It. I didn't go up to the owner like, "Look what he did." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just you left. Know, just it. like you know, and people started talking. Anyway, he got relocated. Yeah, yeah, they relocated wow. him. Yeah, because they didn't want him to stab me. I guess. I guess yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that's that story, man. That's, oh man, that's, yeah, that's really intense. That that yeah. that that is is exactly how I wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, <clears throat> crazy. I mean, crazy. Situations where over the years people have been like jealous, yeah, in a way, outwardly and probably inwardly, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's true. Now, now, uh, when when I found when I found you want to be on the podcast, I, I need to like cobble together an outline like real fast because I wasn't ready for this. Like, sure, I, sure. I literally did this in like this outline in like two hours last uh, night. All right, well, hey, that's um, a lot of time. But but I uh, <laughs> but, but in the morning I texted Bruno yeah. and I uh, our, our mutual friend Bruno Pereira, yeah, uh, owner of. Local, Local Blast. Blast. Local Blast, yeah. Local Blast. Yeah. Uh, there's a thing that I'm doing with him, and I'll tell you after. Okay. I might be doing with him. Right. I don't want to say it over the microphone. Oh, okay. With uh, private secret. Yeah, it's a super secret. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned, everybody. Stay tuned. It's coming soon. Um, But uh, I asked him to describe you. Like, like if he had to, like, in one sentence, describe Nate. Yeah. And he said, uh, he sent me back, fearless. <laughs> okay. uh, which Which tells me... Uh, Two things. First of all, fearless didn't have a period at the end, so he doesn't know that sentences end with periods. So also, <laughs> also, sentences need to be more than one word. Um, so he didn't know that. But like, but he described you as fearless. Now, I, yeah. I, I know you got the fearless, fearless millionaire thing going yeah. on. Yeah. But like, like, what makes you? What makes people? What do you think makes people think of you that way as a fearless person? Because you are definitely a fearless person to me today. 
Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I have, I'm glad my uh, reputation precedes itself. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Growing up as a kid, I was not. I was very fearful. Uh, uh, I was just the opposite. I remember on my 12th birthday. And there was so many times growing up younger than 12 years old, I was like always hiding behind my mom's leg and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I'll never forget the time, though, for my 12th birthday, though. Uh, they, they, my whole family threw a surprise birthday party. And I was I hid behind the chair, like literally a chair the size that we are on right now. Mm-hmm. And I just hid behind the chair for like an hour. And then I went upstairs and everyone else enjoyed my party. Oh, man. I was that fearful. Nice. Yeah. And, no, and, not nice. Bad. No, no bad. <laughs> yeah. But um, as, as that yeah, as that went on, like even fear of like talking to girls, mm. um, you know, fear of uh, doing my first real estate deal. Yeah. I was, I was gripped in fear. Even though I was like selling things, I actually mm. had – that helped me push myself to get out of the fear mm. because I was reading in these books. I have to say I was just gullible because I was reading these books that said, oh, if you want to make more money, if you want to live a better life, all this stuff, you have to do these things. So I was so gullible. I just believed it. Mm. But those things had to push me out of my comfort zone, such yeah. as talking to people. I was like, really? I have to talk to people? Mm. My hands would get all sweaty. I was like covered in sweat. Be so nervous. Mm. So I had to train myself to become fearless. Okay. And then I discovered at the age of 18, I went to a Tony Robbins event. I'm sure you've heard of Tony Robbins. No, don't get me started on Tony Robbins. Oh, okay. I, 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 I absolutely hate. Sorry, sorry. What? Sorry, sorry. Sorry. No, I take it back. Sorry. I don't, I don't hate Tony Robbins yeah. people. Sorry, no, yeah. I, sorry, I don't hate Tony Robbins. Yeah, sure. I hate the people who just found out who Tony <laughs> Robbins, Robbins is. is. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all like, yeah, oh all you got to do yeah. is visualize your goals, <laughs> no, man. No. <laughs> just visualize your goals it's so and bring true. them into your heart. Yeah. Just stand in front of the mirror and every day for five minutes yeah. and just tell, just, say, just it. say it. Look at yourself yeah. and say what you want to be. Right. And then you can do it. I had a roommate who was doing that. Really? One day I come home, he was just yelling into the mirror, I'm going to sell 13 dryers today. I'm going to sell 13 dryers today. And I'm all like, hey, bud, what are you doing here? <laughs> Talking to yourself? Yeah, pretty much. He's like, oh, yeah, Tony Robbins said that you just got to visualize. Yeah. And I'm all like, dude, you know, just do it. I mean, yeah, I understand. Yeah, just go out there and do it. Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, no, I... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Tony Robbins. That's, yeah, so- I'm sure he says a lot of great things. Yeah. But like, I, like I, oh, it's just like, as, as crazy as it sounds, though. Like I said, I was gullible. Yeah. So I just believed it. Um, to add into that, I got into a serious car accident when I was seventeen and a half. I was okay. driving a little beat up red Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. Literally, no joke. You could see the ground when you dro- when I drove. You could see <laughs> through the car. Nice. Okay. I got into this serious car accident in Fall River. I slammed into a pillar, and uh, and the whole car was totaled. The police officers came up to the hospital. I was there for three days, and they're like. We're surprised you're alive. We can't believe you're alive. And so what ended up happening after that, um, I went to local staples because mm-hmm. that's where I like bought my uh, like staplers and all paper from my mm. desk, my new job I was starting up. And uh, anyway, I saw this CD at the bottom of a, of a rack and it said mm-hmm. unlimited power. I was like, what is that about? I read the back and it was by Tony Robbins. Yeah. Read the back of it. And I was like, yeah, I want this. The CD was $23. I'm like, what the heck is this mm. for $23? But I wanted what those words said. So yeah. I bought it and I listened to that thing every day for a number of years. And I just believed it. Mm-hmm. That's why I say I was gullible. And I just believed it. Now, at the time, Tony wasn't telling me to chant in a mirror uh, over and over again. But when I went to his first event, yeah. uh, it's called Unleash the Power Within, the UPW event. I was 18 years old. And like I said, I was gripped in fear for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was when I, at the on the first day, he makes you walk across these bed of coals. Uh, yeah. You can check it out on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard about this. It's yeah, like a thing that... It's like... Now, okay, some people don't need that, but some people do, and I'm mm. one of them. I, I needed that in my life. 
dude, I walked across those coals. And after that, I believed anything was possible. I, I believe for myself that I could do anything. Mm. And okay, I got a little extreme after that. Like I went skydiving and I started mm-hmm. whitewater rafting. I started yeah. living, like pushing the envelope for myself. And, um, and I, I truly believe that really helped me uh, get out of that from fear, step out of from mm. fear into faith and, yeah. and breaking into this fearless attitude. Mm. And so like what Bruno uh, was saying is that, because um, I know when we met, um, he probably saw me doing a lot of things even till today mm. where I don't really take a long time to think about something because mm. I know that the actions, the, the results will just, they'll come. And I just step out and I just make it happen rather than think and ponder and what if and all that stuff. So um, that's, for me, uh, Tony Robbins was probably like the biggest influence. And I know there's a lot of like YouTube videos, but anyone listening to your podcast, in my mm. opinion, the, the YouTube kind of gives you a brief motivational yeah. overview. But when you dive into his courses and his training, it's actually psychology. It's okay. psychology. Uh, and if you like and enjoy psychology, it, 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 you will really understand the benefits of it. He's the only guy in my industry that mm. can put over 5,000 people in a room at one time. It's, it, 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 it's insane. The, the power that he has. Yeah. It's it's in, it, it's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like the only kind of people that do that on that scale is outside of the music industry, of course. Mm. Outside of com- comedians, right? Yeah, uh, who can put fifteen thousand people in an audience? Um, there are only, the, by the way, there are only like five of those. Like those five, are the, right? the only five comedians who can do that right, right. now. Exactly, in the, in the country. Everyone it, else is like doing what I'm doing. Right? Yeah, of course. And just like those those big telepastors that mm. there's only like five or six of them that can fill a whole room. But Tony does it like time and time again. He's been doing it for over like 30 years. He mm. puts like over 5,000 people in a room. And it has nothing to do with comedy. Has no, has to do with life-changing material. It's channeling positive energy. Exactly. If you can channel positive energy, yep. you can release it through your – if you can bring it into yourself and exactly. then release it, exactly. people will follow you. They do. And that's what, and that's what he does and that's yeah. what comedians do. And exactly. we're just channeling positive energy. And yep. it's just like – it's like a spell. Yeah, it is. It's like he's casting a spell. It is. And, and, and some people buy it and some it's people a, don't. No, yeah. And the people who buy it, they buy it hard. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Exactly. For me, I was all in. Yeah. For me, that if I was to contribute, like, uh, who was the one person that changed your life? Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Yeah, all day. Nice. Yeah, Tony Robbins. So um, that, for me, um, that stepping out from fear into faith or to being fearless, hmm. um, it has has come from that. And, and that today is where I don't, take so much time anymore mm. uh, like I used to. I used to sit and wait and think and I always used to think like, oh, I don't know enough. Let me study more about this. Um, and today it's just like, okay, what's the fastest way to, in business terms, what's mm. the fastest way to cash flow? Yeah. What's the fastest way I can get to the cash? Yeah. That's it. And um, that attitude has uh, mm. has seeped into my brand, such as Fearless Millionaire, mm-hmm. has seeped into the brand, has seeped into the consulting that I do with people and uh, and they get results. You know that that kind of mentality and that that message, also that consulting, just seeps right right through into them, and they get mm. you know they do stuff too, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I recently um, like I don't like I, I can't listen to like people who like brand themselves as motivational speakers. Yeah, yeah. I just can't do it. I feel like they're all phonies and they're all fakes. <laughs> yeah. They're all just jerks. Well, they all have skeletons though. That's true. They're all skeletons. But but, but they, they, like 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 Tony Roms is trying to sell me more, and yeah. I know that, yeah, and yeah. I say fuck you, I'm not buying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I listen to like other people like I listen to a lot of comedians and recently yeah, yeah. like I, I I stumbled across this uh, pre-tape on the Family Feud from Steve Harvey. Oh yeah, yeah. he gets up and he does like like ten minutes and warms right. up the crowd and right. gets everyone going and he told a story about how like he has this like this this theory everyone has something they're great at mm-hmm. everybody and it's not 
anything you learn in school. So it's true. not anything you've been told that you're good at. It's, it's something so that you know inside. inside. Yeah. And all you need to do, and everyone is standing. We're all just standing on like the edge of a cliff. Yeah. And all we need to do is jump. Yeah. And your par- and everyone has a parachute, and yeah. your and your thing is your parachute. Yeah, exactly. And you're gonna jump, and you're gonna pull the ripcord, and your parachute's gonna open, and you're gonna fly so with everyone else who's great at your thing. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like the first time you jump, your parachute's not gonna open. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna hit the ground, <laughs> and it's gonna hurt bad. Yeah, it's true. And you just just gonna keep getting up and keep going. Yeah. And uh, and and you know like the way you're saying like you you were afraid to like do anything, you overanalyzed right. everything and you read up right. I, need, I need to learn more before I can do anything. Before yeah. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. As a, as like a person like I'm just trying like right now I'm just trying to do things. Yeah. And and I'm having anxiety about it because sure. like I'm stepping on toes now. Like all of a sudden like I went from an existence of like I work my 9 to 5 yeah. and I drive home and right. I eat dinner and I go to bed right. and then I get up and do it all over again. Now I'm like trying to start my own thing and sure. like there are people around me that were yeah. doing with the things that I was doing right. that I now I'm trying to do what they're doing on that next level. Sure, sure. And I feel like I'm stepping on toes and I don't know how to deal with that uh, feeling. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. Um is this like friends? Like no, just like business acquaint- acquaintances. acquaintances. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a personal example uh, because I'll tell you what. When I was in school, um, you know, in college, and even some friends I had at the time, and I think this is kind of like a big hurdle for a lot of people. Mm. Um, you're not the only one yeah. uh, because sometimes what you know, we we go through life, we have a job or whatever, and we surround ourselves with people that are similar to us, yeah. common ground, yeah. right? Common fa- familiar at familiarity. Yeah, I can't. I know exactly when you do it. Yeah. Someone, yeah. It's yeah. one of those weird words. You yeah. know what it is. You can say it in your head. Exactly. But like as soon as your your tongue's like, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. So uh so one of the things I said was uh I said, you know, again, one of my books that I had to read was you have to change your friends. If you want to change your life, you have to change the people that that you know, are they challenging you or are mm. they bringing you down? And I started thinking about my friends and I was like Wow, like my friends made fun of me the fact that I wore a suit every day mm. because I wanted to be on a different level in my mind. Okay, let me just let me make a point here. Okay. I believed that um from what I read that I had to act or be different in mm. order to change my life, okay? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I did was I went from I I felt like if I wanted to be a business person, I had to wear a suit. So I wore a suit every day because I wanted even though I didn't even have a business yet, I just yeah. started wearing a suit just to train my mind. So that's just something I did, kind of like the whole talking in the mirror every day. Yeah. That's just some people do that. So I realized that some of my friends, you know, would make fun of me and they weren't supportive. Yeah. Now, there's one thing about like, oh, bro, you're in a suit every day. And there's another thing like, dude, you're wasting your time. Yeah. And there's a difference there. There is. And so uh, I had to slowly stop communicating with those people mm. and I had to get new friends. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a, um, I call that the, uh, I call that like the like the fall rev- the fall riveritis. Fall riveritis, yeah, that's good. It's kind of like like this is fall river, and this yeah. is what, and these are the things you can be in fall river. You can be these like five things, right, right, and that's it. And if you yeah. try to be anything else, you're 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 a weirdo and you're an outcast because right. people don't know how to process. Yeah. That that new thing that you want to be completely like agree. you either work well back in the day you either worked at Quaker right yeah or you're like a mechanic or a mechanic or, or like a, or like a contractor yeah and then, and like that was or and like those a, were the the boxes yeah those, those that's, are the boxes that's where you live yeah and and we grew up in the same city yeah so um, one of the things for me though like I had to get out mm. so yes I had to change my friends one of the things for me was I started my first out was Seekonk. 
Yeah. When I started working at TJ Maxx, because okay. I, wa- I was around different people now, Rhode yeah. Island people. Yeah. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. Um, you know, uh, different people. Mm. Then when I started working in Boston, like Rockland, yeah. Massachusetts, which was close to Boston, different people, mm. new, just different environment. And so I kept pushing myself. And I'm not saying everyone should move or relocate, yeah. maybe, you know, because depending on your environment and, you know, income and all that stuff. But I kept pushing myself. And then when I, when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, mm. again, it was that next, like, oh, wow. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But again, it, it's not so much about location as, as Jay Z would put it, as Sean, you know, as uh, P. Diddy or anyone who's been brought up in some of the toughest neighborhoods of New York would say it's not about so much your environment all the time in the beginning, it's about your mindset. It's about the people you hang out with. And that's that's the first step. So it, although your address may be uh, in the toughest neighborhood in New York, yeah. that doesn't mean you have to immediately change your neighborhood. It has to change your mindset first. Okay. And change the people that you surround yourself with. Mm. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing first. Yeah. my uh, mm-hmm. One of the greatest books I read, well, uh, not read, I listened to it because mm-hmm. that's how most people consume media anymore. Yeah, right? yeah. So we all listen. We, we won't read anything. You listen to everything. Yeah, listening, yeah. But uh, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, that's a great it, book. It's such man. a great book. But like, that's huge. But like, so I read that one and then someone said, oh, you should get this like Tony Robbins book. And I'm like, yeah. no. Uh, yeah. Like, like, because like, I, I would listen to things that Tony Robbins says and I'm like, yeah. he's just repeating the base. Like, like uh, everything he says, I, bo- I can boil down to something sure. from How to Win Friends. Right. Like, oh, yeah, it, yeah. It's all just in there. Like, yeah, yeah, Everything, yeah. like how, how to communicate with people is in there and how to be, right. how to be succeed is in there. Yeah, You're yeah. just going to like figure it out yeah. anyway. So uh, going back to the jump theory. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would like to hear about uh, like when, what, when, when was the time you jumped? Yeah. And like a few of them, and you hit and you hit the rocks. Like you hit oh, the rock, hit you the hit rocks. it hard, and like what made you, Ooh. like like what fall hurt the most, and why did you keep going after wow. that? That's a good one, man. Because you know the ones that come to mind all the time, the fastest are the ones where my parachute opened and I yeah failed. absolutely yeah. yeah those well, are cool. I originally had this question written down like when yeah. was when was when was the time you failed the most and like and, and, and when I wrote it down, I didn't like. How that sounded because like sure. failure, that's not like a good thing yeah. to say. Like, who wants to talk about yeah. failure? But like, but like, when was the time you jumped and your parachute didn't open? Sure. Um, gosh, I have to say, the first time I asked a girl out, yeah, that was that would sucked really bad. Yeah, because you know she was super pretty and I was super nervous and I was like, and she said no, okay. and I was like, why? And she's like, you're not my type. I was like, what does that mean? What type do I have to be? That's the first one I can think of. Okay. Um, the second one was when I was in the mortgage business. And I'll never forget. I thought it was going to be my biggest sale. I'm not kidding you. I took a ferry. What's that island that's nearby? Narragansett? No. What's no, that island? Uh, Block Island or Martha's Vineyard? Martha's Vineyard. I took a ferry. My first client in Martha's Vineyard, I was a mortgage broker. I drove. I took the ferry. I went over there. And when I got there, I sat with this guy face-to-face. It was a mortgage broker. And I didn't have all this facial hair at the time. Yeah. And this guy, uh, I took the whole application, met with the guy. And I literally, it was the part where um, I went for the, hey, I need your social security. He's like, I'm not giving you my social security number. I said, well, sir, in order for us to pull a credit report, we need a social security. He's like, what are you, 12? (laughs) I'm like, 12? No. I'm 18 years old. And he's like... I'm not giving you my social. I'm like, sir, I can't do anything. He's like, actually, I'm not even giving you my business. What made you think that I was giving you my business? I was like, what? How long were you with this guy? Well, the crazy thing is I would have never have gone to the island if I didn't know it was going to be a definite. So this guy was like playing me along. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was really like messed up, messed up, man. I spent the whole, all that money to go over the ferry. It was mostly the time. It was like, yeah, oh yeah, that's, I, that's like that's a big commitment to yeah, go over to, there. To go on a ferry. I mean, 
it was just weird. Yeah. So uh, I remember that ride back. I was like, really? I just spent all that time. And I had a few other clients after that on Martha's Vineyard, but um, I got more of a commitment out of the person before I went. Yeah. That was a big flop. In a big something that I felt like I jumped for. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, when people said no in a new thing that I was doing. Oh, that's another question I had for you. Oh. Like right. how to deal with no. How to deal with no. Yeah. yeah. Just like straight. Like someone like, hey, can I? No. And then you're like, yeah. what do you do then? Well, I'll tell you what. Oh, squirrel. Not no. not literally. There is a squirrel. There, yeah, there is a squirrel <laughs> yeah, outside yeah. my window. See, I, I enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, now that I live in a nice in a nicer neighborhood, there are things that I haven't heard in like three years, like mm. crickets. Mm. Like I like when my windows open at night, I can yeah, hear crickets, crickets outside. Yeah, yeah. I hear like there. The other day, I was uh, not to change not to change gears completely, yeah. but like I saw free range kids, oh. just like free range kids, <laughs> like kids like, like there were two brothers, right. they're on bikes yeah. and they're just riding up and down the street. Oh wow, you're just, like uh, just what are unobserved, those? just unobserved. <laughs> what are those? And I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> there's kids. <laughs> there, this this neighborhood's nice enough that people are letting their kids just ride around on bikes. <laughs> That's so great. I've made it. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> There's a park across the street. No, that's cool, man. That's good. Uh, yeah, environment definitely can start cha- have an impact on, on yeah. your mind. Yeah. Uh, that's so true. Um, we digressed. We're, yeah, we did. We were, we're talking about no. No. Yeah, when someone says no to you. I yeah. learned over the years that in order to get a yes, you have to go through a lot of no's. Yeah? Yeah. In the beginning, it was hard. Uh, like I said, I guess going back to my first try on a girlfriend – um, I learned over the years in business and in sales that uh, you actually had to, even in the sales books that I'd read, you'd have to go through like 10 no's to get a yes. So once I put that in my mind, I knew that, mm-hmm. okay, this is just another no that I need to get to the yes. So how do I deal with it? Uh, it comes down to a lot of motivation because today when I make a lot of offers on properties, mm-hmm. I get a lot of rejections. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you got to put on that thick skin that, hey, uh, a no is just leading you to the good one. Okay. That's it. It's like after a while. But I will say this, and this is a little bit of business, just to throw it in there. Um, okay. I think what's really uh, important, there's a difference between branding and marketing and advertising. And most people do advertising, mm. which means I do this, I do that. Guess what? I do this and I do that. What you, what people really want to build is a brand because when you build a brand, people are attracted to you. Mm. And over the years, I learned, I went from advertising to branding. Mm-hmm. And branding is where you where you create pull marketing, where people actually know who you are before they even meet you. Ooh. And I think that's even more powerful. That's also known as like a warm lead or referral marketing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, have you met this person? He's really good. That's almost like referral marketing, but branding is so powerful where you've seen the brand before, but now you already know what you're going to get because you've seen the branding. You've seen the marketing already in play. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think branding and business is probably one of the most powerful things to help reduce the nose. Yeah. It helps reduce the nose. Okay. Uh, but yeah, man, just to get through nose, uh, it's just keep going. Don't give up. Put on a tough skin and you know that you have to keep getting nose to get a yes. This is what I'm realizing while I'm looking into more things like this. There are absolutely no secrets to anything. No. It's just like, you know, just do it and don't stop doing it until you yeah. succeed. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much the advice that everything boils down to. Yeah. When you're, and it's important when you're marketing, there's actually a, a secret to marketing is that there should be secrets in marketing. Yeah. Isn't that, it's so unique. Uh, humans are really unique pe- individual, uh, unique species because we, because we can talk. Yeah. Cause we can talk. And we talk, walk around, we build houses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. What, what, I mean. what, what other thing does that? Uh, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. So the, the thing is, is, uh, 
in order to get someone to take action, we have to create these mm-hmm. certain types of... Um, okay, let me give you an example. Okay. The two words that are lies that everyone believes. Do you know what they are? No. It's the words sale and clearance. I did know this. You've heard it before? I did know this. There is no such thing as a sale. You know who, you know who, get, you know who gets like really amped up into a sale? Who? Who like gets like really invested into a sale? And I'm glad these doors are closed because you can't hear me. Uh-uh. My, my fiance, yeah, fiance yeah. Ariel, yeah. she loves a fucking sale. And yeah. she's like, hun, butter is on sale butter, for like $2 yeah. for a four pack of butter. And right. it's usually like $3. Right, we need right. to buy all the butter. And oh. we're like, no, we don't. Stock up on butter. We don't need to stock up on butter. <laughs> we can just like buy butter at a regular price yeah, for like the next couple of weeks because it's just it's, it'll average out to be the same. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, sale and clearance, those are lies. Those are marketing lies. Because human beings um, only act on urgency and scarcity. Hmm. Yeah. So people feel like if it's a clearance, like they might miss out. Hmm. Uh, FOMO. Fear of missing out. FOMO. Okay. Um, so those two words are actually... Because you know, in, in, in business, right? You have mm-hmm. wholesale and retail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So why don't retailers just put it at... A little bit more than just to make their costs. Yeah. They don't do that. Just like clothes, um, they market up really high, and they know that when it's retail, most people are not going to buy at that point. Yeah. There are some, hmm. but the majority comes from when there's a sale yeah. and a clearance and a sale and a clearance, and they still make profit at sales and clearances. That is to help the human mind uh, create urgency and scarcity. They don't want to miss out on something. That's why you'll hear like Macy's, for example. Nothing against them, but this is everyone. Uh, every big real t- retailer, they will have a sale and a clearance like every weekend or every holiday. Yeah. Every chance they get, they'll yeah. create some kind of sale. What is it? There's this new thing that's going around. I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've bought clothes at a store recently. Yeah, actually, I have. But like, like you go in, like, uh, like I, I found this new store. It's called Fat Face. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's really great. It's like, it's like there's only like. Two stores in North America, oh, and wow. they're in like Cranston and okay. Newport. Okay, okay, uh, and it's all European stuff. Everything's made oh, of like nice. co- like one hundred percent cotton. Really, it's like all super nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. but they like when I went in, I bought like a sh- I went I needed a, like a Easter outfit, so I needed a new shirt, yeah. and a new undershirt, yeah. and then like no pants because I had pants. <laughs> I had, like I had khaki pants. Or you went without pants? I, no, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I already own khaki pants. Yeah. Khaki pants are universal for anything. Yeah. You need to, but anyway, but like when we were done, they said, "Oh, and here's like your like fat bucks." I'm like, what are fat bucks? He's like, oh, you need to, like, these are like you. This is like thirty percent off. Oh, in the future. In the future, but but it's only no 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 no. It's uh, it's like ten dollars off, thirty dollars or more. But you have to use it before this at day. Certain time, yeah. And I and I looked at it. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I like just threw it in the bag. I wasn't thinking about it. I right. just threw it in the bag. But then like later, I'm all like, oh man, I should really go on the website and check, and it, check out. it out. But, but then I'm like, I don't need clothes. Right. I just exactly. bought clothes. I just why, bought am I gonna, ex- why am I going to buy more clothes? And and that's what it is. It, it's it's like psychology. Like, yeah. They're, they're they're dangling the carrot in front right. of you, and exactly. you're just and they're hoping for you to grab it. Right. Exactly. And it's a perceived value. It's called perceived value. Yeah. Just like perception of clearance and sales. It's perceive. It's a perception that you think you're going to miss out, or you think you're going to get a great deal. Mm. Um, even though you don't need it, I don't get out of bed unless the sale is like fifty percent or more, right? Because I'm like, that's like anything less. Like somebody says, like, oh, we'll give you twenty percent off, yeah, of, yeah. like twenty percent off of what, hundred dollars? Like, that's twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm saving twenty dollars over a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, I'm still spending eighty dollars. Right. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw you. Yeah, like fifty yeah. percent off, like that. Right. <laughs> now we're talking. Like now, now, now you're taking a loss. Yeah. I know you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it, it marketing is very interesting. Yeah. And I really enjoy it, like seeing it, and like as I get older, I'm I'm seeing through the bullshit of it, right? A little bit it's, more, it, you know. It's uh, it's it's something that we can't live without uh, in humans. Um, actually, it was the one class that I actually got A's in in school when I was in college. Um, it was the only class that I actually got passing grades. Hmm. Everything else I failed, and um, 
and it's just something I fell in love with in order to do business and, and, and sales. Mm. It helps. It, do, it definitely does help. One thing that the guy, my friend today, uh, my mentor uh, and friend today, uh, Dave Lindahl, that taught me was that when I first started in his real estate commercial business, mm-hmm. he said, you are not in a real estate investing company. You are in a marketing company. He's like, we do not sell real estate. We in real estate is the product. We are a marketing company. And I was like, wow, that just opened up my eyes to a lot about what I knew about business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, uh, okay, we're gonna get off business. We ain't got some fun stuff. Okay. Now. Yeah. This is like this is really educational. And I'm really learning a lot, and I'm uh, really excited to listen. I'm listening. I'm excited to listen back to this for personal reasons. Oh, nice, nice. Um, but uh, so like, you moved to Uganda. Yeah, yeah, and like you, you told me you live part time between Portugal and Uganda yep, now. So exactly. you like you live primarily internationally. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, uh, why, why, like, well, first of all, why Uganda? Okay, why do you live in Uganda? Yeah. and why and, and why do you live internationally? Why don't you just live in the United States? Um, okay, I traveled a lot uh, after I started getting into real estate uh, pretty heavily and mm. investing. I started traveling a lot. I was a traveling speaker and trainer, so I used to travel into all these seminar rooms and I'd speak and train a bunch of people. So I got to see the U.S. a mm. lot pretty often. There was times I was on the road for like six weeks at a time. And I, yeah, most of the time I'd live in a hotel, which is fine. I love hotels. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd drive around and I'd go check out some sites. And mm-hmm. I was just blessed at um, at a younger age to really get out and see the United States. Mm-hmm. And I got bored of it. So okay. I've been to Las Vegas, like, I'm not kidding you, over 30 times. Really? I'm not kidding you. Oh. Over 30 times. I want to go once. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool the first time. It's cool the yeah. second time. But yeah. after, like, I'm not kidding you 30 times or more. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Las Vegas so many times. Is it just been, for conferences or, like? Yeah. It's like you get hired to speak. So you go yeah. and speak or you're there training and stuff like that. So um, it's just after a while, you don't even see the sights. You just get from the airport, jump in an yeah. Uber, and then yeah. you get to the hotel. You do your thing. You leave. That's, you know, but when I was first going to places, it was cool. I really mm-hmm. got to see a lot of the United States. There's only about, I think, six or seven states that I've never been to. And mm-hmm. that's up north, like the Montana and all those. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Nebraska. I you know, the places where there's nothing there's there. There's nothing there, yeah. So I haven't been to those places, uh, which doesn't bother me. But everywhere else I've been, man, and I've been mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, so then when I uh, – when I and I, I'm, I'm a travel fiend. Mm-hmm. That's my, I'm addicted to travel. Okay. I love traveling. Um but when I went international, like Europe, I've been to all over Europe. And uh, how I got to Uganda was in 20... This is the short version. Okay. Because this is a much bigger version. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's save that for the romantic comedy. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in 2014, I actually went out... Uh, I took a sabbatical um, from work. I took about um, a year off and just said I need to um, readjust my life. I was going through mm-hmm. a lot of stuff mentally. Um, and... Um, I said I just need to take a, about a year off. So actually what I did, I started traveling. Mm-hmm. So I just fed my addiction. And uh, I spent two weeks uh, in Uganda. And it was that was actually six months uh, through my travel excursions. Mm-hmm. And um, during those two weeks, I uh, met a friend. I had already mm-hmm. had a friend there. I had oh, a few wow. friends, but I already had a friend in Uganda, which I had known for a long period of time. And uh, she was actually a pen pal. Well, when I got there, dude, uh, I'm sure you felt the same way about yeah. your fiance. But I had a lot of different girlfriends over the years, mm. and but when I hugged my friend at the airport when she yeah. picked me up, as soon as I hugged her, man, I just I just knew instantly that this was my wife. It was like not an audible voice, but I just felt it yeah. like this is the one. And um, so I was like, whoa, what the heck? And I actually had a girlfriend already. I had oh, a girlfriend shit. back 
at home. Yeah, it was kind of weird. So, um, but you just know when you know. So yeah. what I did was I was there for two weeks. I got to know her better a little bit, and her family and the culture and everything. And the day before I left. I had to make a commitment. I just yeah. knew in my mind, I'm like, there's no way this long distance dating thing, because yeah. I've done that before. Yeah, it's not going to work out. It wasn't going to work out. So I went, and the day before I left, I bought a ring, and oh, wow. I asked her to marry me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was shocked. She said yes. I seriously oh, my God. Thought, Jesus Christ. I seriously thought she was going to say no. And the reason why I thought she was going to say no is because how many no's do you need to get to a yes? Yeah, exactly. And it was exactly. my first time asking. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't the first time. I, no. Anyway, long story. Um, but it was. I didn't think she was going to say yes, because it was such short notice. Yeah. And she was a bit shocked, but she said yes. Nice. So um, right, I the next day I left, and within forty days, man, I sold everything I had, and, and you just moved to Uganda. And I moved to Uganda, and wow. then thirty days after that, I got married. That's crazy. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Yeah, man. It was. Uh, then, like two months later, we were pregnant with our first child. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. that's that's how I ended up in Uganda, and I love it there. I really do. The weather's like always like San Diego. Oh, nice. It's it's sub-Sahara Africa, so people yeah, so it's think like south. Yeah, people always think like, oh my god, you live in the desert, it must be so hot, and you do see elephants all the time. Like, no, no, and no, uh, and uh, and it's sub-Sahara Africa, so it actually feels like San Diego all the time. Okay, which is which nice. is a nice feeling. It's got night. It's cool at night. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. It's not super hot, um, but the culture, the people, and the food is just awesome. Culturally, mm-hmm. just it, it, people are so friendly there. Um, so I uh, what was. Uh... Yeah. What was the release of Black Panther like in Uganda? It was awesome. Was it like insane? Like I, I feel was, like, like it, it, was, it was crazy here. Yeah. It, well, I would say people maybe didn't get as dressed up. Like I know people here, they dress up because they're yeah. like Marvel fans and yeah. all that and DC fans. Yeah. But like but, culturally, like what did that movie? Um, it would no, it did didn't mean anything. No, no, oh, okay. it didn't. And I th- and I did some searching about Africa and how yeah. they felt about Black Panther yeah. compared to the U.S. The U.S. took it more as a racial, like it's yeah. us and that's who we are. But I know a lot of the people, African Americans, Indian, a lot of them, not all of them, yeah. uh, have never been to Africa. Yeah, they haven't. So I, I'm glad they felt a connection, and I mm. hope it encourages people from the United States who've never traced their lineage or the history mm. and never really gone to Africa. They should visit, and I think it actually encouraged people to go back I re- or to check it out, even yeah. if they've never been. So, um, it, I, I have to say, in uh, it didn't make the impact in the United States as it did in, in Uganda, mm. but I will say the the fact that it was uh, number nine in the international yeah. box seller yeah. was powerful. That was nice. that was really cool. Oh, okay. It impacted me so. Yeah, it impacted like uh, me so much because I really, um, I, I just have a love for the African culture, mm. especially Uganda is the mm. one that really I connect with. Um, that uh, I really just went all into it, man. It, it just, it just, uh, just really made an impact in in the culture. Nice, That's how I like it. Yeah, good, cool. Yeah. So, uh, so since, since like you've left, yeah, you now live elsewhere. Yeah, and you come back to visit. You come back to the South Coast. And, yeah, like, Providence and like this whole area that yeah, like yeah. to visit. Like what. In your in your in your worldly travels, because you you were literally the most worldly person who I've ever had on my podcast. Oh, really? And I asked this of everybody, and yeah. everyone I've asked it like they they're either from here or they like moved here, and they've only ever been where they came from and here. Yeah. So, like, in your opinion, what makes this area of the country? And when I'm saying this area, I'm talking like Providence, Pro- like Rhode yeah. Island, Rhode Island, and like Mass. straight over to like not the Cape, but like right up to the edge of the Cape. Like, what makes right. that area? This area of the, of the world unique. Like, what's a unique? Like, what makes us unique? Okay. Is there anything? Oh, okay, on a positive note, um, because w- I'll have to say this. When I left Massachusetts yeah. and I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, yeah. uh, it's north and south Carolina border, um, 
I fell in love. Like if I was to live back in the United States full time, mm. um, I'd live back in Charlotte. Okay. Um, when I left, what I think what I love, uh, what do I love about this area? Um, other than the Portuguese food. Um, I think what's that's a, big, you, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. It really is. Pork uh, and Little Necks is my jam. Yeah, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what's so unique about this, um, if some people are into history, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of history here uh, in regards to the country and how it was established. I think that's um, pretty unique. And you can see some you know, serious uh, original stuff from when the country mm-hmm. was, was founded and stuff like that. So if you're into history... Uh, I ha- other than that, I have I don't really. If it wasn't for family, I have no really desire to come back here. Um, just natural things like the elements of it's it's cold here most of the time. Mm. Um, I just find that you know, uh, um, I think even from a real estate business perspective, uh, things up here move a little bit slower. It's a lot more sturdy. Like there's okay. a much more stable real estate market here. Yeah. Everything, but it's everything's a little bit more slower moving. Okay. Such as it's very go go all the time, but just things don't move as quickly or develop as fast. If you look at things like Dallas, Texas, or anywhere in Texas, you look at Nevada, mm. you can look at um, the Carolinas, Georgia. Those places like transition big time. They have, um, and I'm not even including California, mm. but there's a lot more faster growth. I think because this is the founding parts of New England, mm. they're more slower moving areas, even on a business perspective. Yeah. It, there's not a lot of fast moving things here uh i hope that answers your question um yeah. is there something that i look forward to coming back other than family that's about it oh, yeah okay. uh, family friends yeah now how about now how about well, here, we'll, hit, we'll we'll roll that into uh when you come back when you yeah. fly in yeah get off the plane yeah and you're and you're in your rental or you're yeah. in the uber, uber and you're yeah. driving yeah. and like you're, you're on your way like what's the first thing you want to eat when you get here oh definitely a portuguese steak portuguese steak yeah. sandwich or like no i go for a full plate for the full plate. yeah i go right down to fall river it is my favorite restaurant it's called cafe clipper off of uh, south main street that's probably the best portuguese steak cafe clipper i've Ca- never heard of that place what you're kidding me. No, I've never heard of oh it. Off my. of South Main? Yeah, like it's this other side road, but like their address is something like whatever yeah. South Main. You can look it up, Cafe Clipper. Um, it is to me the best Portuguese steak. Wait, is it down? Is it? Is it like, I wouldn't say downtown, but is it before or after Kennedy Park? Oh, no, no. It's before that. It's closer to North Main Street. Okay, so it's yeah. like, uh, it's like nondescript. There's no sign. There is a sign, yeah. Okay, are you familiar with like TA Restaurant? Yeah. Yeah, it's not too far from there. Okay, it's, uh, it's on the same road. They've been there for years. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I have been there, and yeah. I have had the Portuguese. Steak. Yeah, it's like on the corner. Really cool. It's on a corner. It's it, like a down street, and... but it's not even a corner. It's like it's like it's like a fork. It's a fork. It's like a weird fork. Exactly. It's, it's, it's in on that the left. area. You know what it is? It's like right next to JJ's. Right next to J across the street. I think. And next, next, next is closer. Exactly. That's my favorite place. That's yeah. my favorite food. Yeah. In there, where like if I leave and never come back, right. <laughs> like even though I live in Providence, whenever yeah. I go over to Fall River, yeah. I stop and Some I get hot dogs on the way out. It's right next to Nick's, man. It's right there. Okay. Yeah, that that would be the first dish that I go for. Nice. Yeah. Uh, do you think like food in uh like like how how does you how does how does how does food culture in America compare to outside America? Outside? Like okay. like like Uganda, like the food culture in America is yeah. very like you know. Ooh. Outside of Portuguese food, you mean? Yeah, outside okay. of Portuguese because food. Portuguese food is like still very local. Like yeah. it's got that local like homemade yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I, I feel like what I've seen and discovered, especially traveling and being on the road in the United States and traveling outside mm. like European countries and especially living in Uganda, unfortunately, this country has gotten so busy with life mm. and making money or just living a life or growing their life that they forgot about food and, and uh, the, the authenticity of food. And it beco- it's become so manufactured. Mm. That's, that's sad. Um, and there's plenty of movies out there about it. But yeah. um, what I love about Uganda is that you have everything local. Like our food is just, just up the road. And our market is right there. It's not like I have to drive, go so far away. Mm. And it's one big thing. And they do have those in the yeah. city. But um, it, your your local food is like a local farmer. Your chicken yeah. is like running around outside and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's not... You know, this whole free range, there's no such thing in Uganda. Everything's free range. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This whole, that, yeah, again, yeah. that's a whole marketing thing, too. Yeah. Free range, you know, roaming free. Like, dude, that's normal. My father is yeah. in the food business. He's in the food service business. Okay. And I asked him straight up one day, like, hey, what does locally sourced mean? And he yeah. told me, Nothing. locally sourced, anything for, for us, anything that comes from, uh, what is it, like Maryland to Maine. Yeah. That's locally sourced right. for Rhode Island. Yeah. That's not. Local? That's not a local no. thing. Like I would never say that's local. No, you would think it's down the road. Yeah, it's not true. Yeah, yeah it's just uh... yeah, because all the stuff like there's a few movies out there that documentaries that talk about how you know meat and manufacturing of food is mm-hmm. all done at certain big warehouses and you know like the the cows sit in a building most of the time. Yeah, where everywhere else, you know, most of the most of the world outside of that, there's it, it's already free range. There's mm-hmm. not this manufactured thing. So I think I think that's a sad part about the United States. Yeah. Um, They've manufactured a lot of their foods, except if you live in a really rich area, a really high-end area. um, They've now come to the point of – because, you know, first of all, McDonald's was born in California. Yeah. So the hamburger of McDonald's was born in California. But if we look at California today, we're now seeing – this uh, all natural, healthy food, yeah. and I and everything starts in the West, right? Everything yeah. starts in California for the United States. The trends start there, and it carries over slowly over mm-hmm. to the East. And I think I think in the next maybe ten years or less, we're probably going to see that whole um, the the whole impact of what they're doing there of uh, mm. natural, eat healthy. Although it's already happening now, but more of it in the near future mm-hmm. of transitioning over to natural, healthy, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh... Right, especially in Providence right now, I've noticed that the uh, there, there's a farmers market. Yeah, every day in Providence right mm-hmm. now, and like I have one every day, every day. Oh, there's, awesome. a, there's a farmers market somewhere in Providence every day, uh, but it's only in the summer, only in the summer, oh, okay. or in the spring, in the fall. Right, That's yeah. when you get all like the so like in what in Ariel and I we've started going to these yeah. and buying our produce there, right? Rather than going because because it, 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 it challenges you to cook smarter, right? Yeah, and to buy different things, right? Because like you know the one thing like I buy them every week, every week I buy them and it, and it bothers me a little bit, but not really. But like bananas, yeah. Like I can get a banana, yeah, any day of the week, right? I live in New England. Yeah, yeah. there are no banana trees here. No, there's no banana. Where trees. are these bananas coming from? Right. Yeah. And yeah. also, I have a gripe with bananas. Yeah. Have you ever tried to buy like a banana that's ready to eat lately? Uh, not here. No. Because like you go to the store, and yeah. they're all green. They're all green. They're all yeah. green. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like you can't eat a green banana. Right. You gotta right. wait at least. So, like you have to pre-plan. You have to pre-plan it. To like yeah. when when do I want a banana? Right. I'm, I'm gonna buy a banana on Wednesday. <laughs> it's like have my banana <laughs> on Saturday because that's when my like that's when that's my ripeness window is. Yeah. <laughs> 
your ripeness window. It's, it's like the it. worst. It's it's absolutely the worst. It's like I crazy. hate it. Like like I get mad when I buy bananas. Right. So I'm like, I can't. Like like she's like, "Hon, why aren't you eating those bananas yet? We bought them last week. They're not ready. They're just not ready. They're not ready yet." I'll have them next week. And then we buy some bananas. She's like, why are you buying bananas? We already have bananas. I'm like, those bananas at the house are ready to eat. Yeah, These yeah. bananas, we have to wait. Yeah, and you know, that's, again, that's a good point. It's like, okay, that's the part I don't like about the food in the United States. However, I love being in Uganda. It's like, that's normal. Like, every day. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're bananas are there tomatoes it's, tomatoes at the tomatoes. supermarket are garbage right they're garbage yeah, if you go to a farmer's market you buy a tomato yeah it's the greatest thing you've ever had in your entire right life. right but you know what and i and, and i have to say you can't the only people we can blame is the the people who buy this stuff and of course we're just like oh yeah pick it up right we the people vote with their wallets yeah at the end of the day consumers vote with their wallets but what what's happened in marketing mm-hmm. and with food marketing is like for tomatoes, apples, anything, the fruits that you see in the store, mm-hmm. man, they're glorified. Like they look amazing. Yeah, they're so red, they're so green, they're so yellow, and they look perfect. Mm-hmm. And no actual like the fruits I eat in Uganda, they don't look like that. Yeah, because they're not coming out from the ground. The ones here, they look like they're again manufactured to yeah. look a certain way. So that would be that'd be probably some of the biggest things that kind of mm-hmm. like ugh, it's not. It's not always fun to come back to. They have some. You go to farmers market. They sell ugly tomatoes. They call them ugly tomatoes. Yeah. They, 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 there's, a, there's like a bin of just like gross looking tomatoes. Right. And they're like, you can eat them. They're fine. Yeah. It's just like they're gross. They yeah. like no one wants to buy them because they look ugly. Right. And like we bought them and we fried them up one night and we we're like, this is amazing. Yeah. They're awesome. I'll eat these forever. For exactly. The rest of my life. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Anything you want to plug for the for my five listeners? Um. <laughs> Five, hey man, five today, fifty tomorrow. Exactly. 5, you, every time, if, if every time you post a podcast, someone yeah. subscribes. Yeah, that's a new listener that you didn't have. Oh, before. absolutely, absolutely, man. I, I remember when I started my first po- my podcast. We have the Fearless Millionaire podcast, and uh, when I first started, I had like I don't know, like three listeners or something yeah. like that. And then what I started noticing is now we got people in like twenty two different countries. Yeah, we have like over I don't know thousands of downloads, thousands of listeners, and I'm like. Dang, and I'm not as like committed to it. Like I don't post like every week. There's some people who are like faithful to that yeah. stuff, and uh, that's great. But um, you know, uh, it's just you just be dedicated to it, and if you enjoy it, just do it, and mm. your audience grows. Yeah. You know, cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, but yeah, no, I mean, it's great to be on here and share about fun food and facts and history. Yeah. yeah thanks for having anytime. me. Anytime, I'll have you over. I'll have you over the house anytime. You can come over the house anytime. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks uh, for the invite. We don't not just for this. We can do anything you <laughs> yeah. want. Food. I have games. You know. <laughs> awesome. Um. Anyway, so uh, just gonna title Lee up. This has been the River Rat Podcast for this, I guess, month. I don't know when we're gonna do it again. <laughs> um. Because uh, stay subscribed. Yeah, just stay subscribed. You know, check the feed. You know, refresh. Yeah, refresh. Pull it down. Pull the screen. Pull the screen <laughs> down. down. Pull the screen down. down. Um, if you enjoy, if you enjoyed this conversation that I just had with Nate, you can listen to more conversations like it with other people by uh, you know finding the podcast elsewhere. We're on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can uh, you can find me on Facebook by searching Taylor Wilkie Comic, or you can uh, go on Instagram. Uh, I am T uh, T Wilkie eighty eight on Instagram. I don't use Twitter anymore because Twitter has stopped. Uh, connecting to facebook because i guess there's a war going on i don't know really yeah yeah it's like someone just like oh, wow. I, I saw that go up like someone has to screenshot their tweet and put it up on oh, wow. facebook because they uh oh man because i've been i've been going back and forth about twitter man i think i can't i can't do it i can't do it i'm over it yeah it's over yeah it's like, it's like the, my twitter twitter we all thought we all thought that facebook was the next myspace but it's mm. gonna be twitter twitter's gonna go the way yeah. of the myspace yeah um i uh i also i also i also want to do a uh 
like a little call to action for everybody. This okay. is like a new thing on the podcast. Oh, I'm going to ask my listeners to answer a question and email me. Oh, nice. And uh, so, yeah, if, if like we talked a lot about like setting goals and jumping and like being fearless and like taking like trying to like take charge of your life. And, and I want to hear from you guys like, you know, like what was your biggest fall? Like, like what was the time you jumped and you fell the hardest? And, and tell me what made you guys get up uh, and try again. Uh, and like I said, you can reach me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or uh, you can email the podcast at at uh, river at river at podcast at gmail dot com or the river at podcast at gmail dot com. I can't remember the email address. It's either the river at podcast or just river at podcast, but it, but both end in gmail dot com. That is for sure because I'm not a hotmail person. And I think it's stupid to have hotmail. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, you know if you guys want to come see me live. Uh, I'm at the Terra Hydro Club, uh, uh, either uh, on uh, September 25th, uh, which is a uh, it's a private club. It's a it's a marijuana club in Wakefield, wow. Rhode Island. That must yeah. be crazy. Yeah, but to get uh, anybody can get in. You just you have to have card, you, right? you, have to, you have to have a medical marijuana yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. So don't go to that show if you don't have a medical marijuana card. They right. won't let you in. Um, but there's a lot of weed smoking. I'm in there. sure, and they're all super friendly. You have no idea. Like oh, you're just yeah. hanging out. Like your comic just hanging out, it's on and they're just like, level. hey, you want. You want some? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, fuck yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. yeah um, uh, uh, then I'm uh, I'm also starting a brand new open mic. Oh, nice. Uh, com- uh, open mic comedy is going to be starting soon at uh, Boneheads Live in Fall River. Okay, uh, and that's on Water Street. Uh, that's on that the first open mic is going to be on nine twenty uh, nine twenty six. So that's September twenty sixth. And uh, oh yeah. wait, that's this week. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's Wednesday. That's what. Oh, it's when. Oh man, I wish. Yeah, I, I know. Was I was going to tell you about that because you said anything for Tuesday. I'm like, oh, oh he's going to miss it by one day. Shoot, man. Um, I wish and I then, could be there. and then, uh, classically, I'm also going to be at the Pub on Park in Cranston on October 7th for their uh, Columbus Day show. Anyway, uh, you know, as always, we should have done this live. I just, I've tried to do that. I've tried to do that, and and I did it once, and I, I, and, and I got too that. caught up in like what people were saying. Oh, really? And I was like answering people's questions, and I was like losing the conversation. Oh, you know, I just thought of that I could. We should just did a Facebook Live at the same time, yeah. but just left it running. Yeah, just on the on the couch, and just let it run. On yeah, the couch. if anyway. I had thought of that, see, I forget these things sometimes. No I have a little tripod, and I would have just let it thing go. Through, yeah. Anyway. 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 So, like I said, this has been the River Rat Podcast for this week. I'm your host Taylor Wilkie. My guest, Nate Amaral. And uh, as always, everyone, uh, remember, if you want to change the world, there's nothing to it.